Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. clock on a Thursday. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I don't want to go too in-depth here because I will be pressured into rapping on air and I don't want that to happen. But this is the beat that me and my buddies made a rap song to. And we recorded it in when my mom was out of town. We went inside like this closet because there's carpet all over the place and so we're able to soundproof the recording studio quote unquote. And so that's where we recorded our rap song. And I tried to make other ones, and none of the other ones sounded good. But I thought this one was okay. Yeah, we recorded uh, several rap songs when I was in college. And they were like, were they anything like Greg Olson? The beats that I made. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. I want to hear some. We need to get some of the beats that I you wish made and that put I them on the find, instrumental. I wish I could find some of those. So you don't even have them anymore that we can't come back uh, from break? I have to dig and see. You should look I, for them. I had them on a CD, but yeah, man, we used to make some pretty dope songs. Fiddy, you have something you want to say over there. You've been trying. What do you want to say? Uh, you've been in the building since last August. You have promised us this rap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he we've has. Never, we've never heard the lyrics. I mean... I can play it during the break. I have it on my phone. Okay. I think I do. I think I have it on my phone, but I can play it during the break. Because I, I want to believe that you're a lyric god. Like, I want to <laughs> believe that, but I feel like I'm going to be... I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, yeah, you your taste be. in rap would lead to you being uh, conscious. Pretty nice. Well, I mean, look, if you're going to rap what you know, it's not like I can be a gangster artist. No, no, no. I'm just saying, based off your taste, though, mm-hmm. you like. You, you always know, try to root. pigeonhole my taste. That's what you try to do. No, I'm all just the time. saying, you like, you know, like the roots and more, more conscious stuff. I know you like some of the, the stuff that I like, but those guys are real lyricists. So I would think that. When you like that kind of rap, mm-hmm. you take your rapping serious, so you're not gonna come. You're not gonna be half stepping with the ball. Uh, <laughs> like Big Daddy Kane, yeah, those, those the people that I like to rap. Yeah, I wouldn't expect you to like the Roots and some of those groups, and then rap like. Uh, I sound I don't know, honestly. It, I rap sound like Playboy Cardi or something. Yeah, well, I definitely no. I, I'm not gonna sound <laughs> like that. I sound like a worse Shock G. R.I.P. That's who I sound like. It's not like him on the Humpty Dance, but that's it. All right, enough about my rapping career that lasted for like 30 minutes once upon a time. <laughs> Let's get to the QB match game. We played it with Willie P one time in studio. Now it's just going to be us three. The last time it was pretty easy. I think Fiddy tried to throw in a different answer just to be different, and I appreciate that from the dynamic producer, um, but that was the only missed one. Everybody else was pretty easy. I think these are harder. I think this is going to be harder. So go ahead, Fiddy. Why don't you play soundbite number one from Dan Orlovsky? The recognition, the ability to create space and throw an accurate ball for a touchdown, that's what makes such a great passer. (laughs) But that's not all. He also pulls guys away from the defenders. The pace on his throws is why he was so successful on passes to contested targets. He was significantly better in multiple areas, led by a QBR that was double the FBS average. So that was the first piece of analysis. You can bet on any of the QBs as to who he was talking about. Mm -hmm. So, Wes, we'll start with you, then we'll go to Fiddy. What QB do you think Dan Orlovsky was about? No question about it. No question. No question. Okay. What what about you, Fiddy? Who are you going to roll with? I think this is Stroud. 
because, uh, because of the way he talked about how he leads defenders away from the ball and stuff like that, we've all wasn't it Stroud said he was a ball place specialist or something like that? Ball placement, placement specialist. You want to play it one more time? I can. All right, let's play it one more time. This allows some of the listeners to text in, and then they can give in some of their guesses. At the first go-around, Wes has Bryce Young. Fiddy's got C.J. Stroud. One more time. The recognition, the ability to create space and throw an accurate ball for a touchdown, that's what makes such a great passer. But that's not all. He also pulls guys away from the defenders. The pace on his throws is why he was so successful on passes to contested targets. He was significantly better in multiple areas, led by a QBR that was double the FBS average. All right, we're getting mixed guesses here on the text line. We have mixed guesses here in the Planet Kia studios. Do you want to change your answer, either one of you? Nope. Wes Bryce Young, Fiddy, you don't want to change yours? Nope, I'm going to stick with the guy Stroud. Fiddy is right. Number wow. one, Fiddy got it right with CJ Stroud. That is the piece of analysis there he is offering for one CJ. I thought, I thought all these would be pretty hard. And so this one was the first one. So point goes to Fiddy if we are playing a game. Fiddy okay. is up one to nothing. I've got two other sound bites for you to try to guess what each QB sound bite is going to go to, what QB each of these guys are talking about. Play number two for us, Fiddy. He has incredible pocket feel and presence, and it shows up all over the tape. His ability to adjust when a route is covered, scramble away from pressure, keep his eyes downfield, then flip his hips to throw a touchdown, that part of his game, truly special. But where he really stands out among the other quarterbacks in this class, ball placement, throwing it away from defenders. He was on target with 93% of his passes last season. Only six quarterbacks in the FBS were better. That part of his game reminds me of another Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow. All right, so who are you going to say that piece of analysis belongs to? Just want to give one clarification real quickly. I am going to be featuring possibly multiple QBs in multiple soundbites. Right. So just because you moved on from C.J. Stroud, the last one, it doesn't mean this one couldn't be Stroud. I oh. just want to open it up. Oh, don't. You got one. Uh, that should have been disclosed at the start of the game. I just disclosed it before you made your second guess. I wonder why you're not on Jeopardy. You're complaining hmm. for nothing. Do you want to go? All right. Because you're complaining, you get to go first on this one. Who are you going to go with with that piece of analysis? You know, because I was assuming that it was, was you know, one quarterback at a time, I had my mind fixated on this being Bryce Young. I'm not going to let you trick me, though. Okay. It's not Anthony Richardson because Richardson does none of the things that he just talked about in that clip. Give me the Alabama QB. You're going Bryce Young. Yeah. Who are you going with, Wes? Bryce Young. Bryce Young for you. Mm -hmm. You guys are right. Yeah. Bryce Another Young. Heisman Trophy was a dead giveaway. Another Heisman Trophy winner. Very good. You were able to you were able to catch that. The thing I thought might mix you guys up is the Joe Burrow comp at yep. the end. Because it's Stroud, isn't it? And also ball placement specialist. He said that. Now that threw me off at the I, beginning. I, I know. So I thought maybe, but that's good by you to catch the Heisman watch there. So uh, Brian said that's Bryce Young. Easy. Um, a couple of people are writing in. Yeah, so Bryce Young, people got it. I thought the Joe Burrow thing, I thought the ball placement specialist might uh, give pe get people, um, I was about to say get people people off but i don't need to go with that phrasing let's go to the third one real quickly and forget everything i just said what's the third soundbite this is frank reich evaluating this particular qb we're first and foremost just looking for playmakers right um you look at everything every trait that a guy has and you weigh it right you weigh it the thing is is 
when if there's 10 categories that you look at in a quarterback or any player for that matter the real question is not how to evaluate each of those categories the I mean, that's part of the question. A big part of the question is how much are you going to weight each of those categories? So um, they're all a factor. Everything's a factor. But ultimately, um, it really comes down to being a, being a playmaker, you know, being a guy who can make plays all over the field. Um, and that happens a lot of different ways. I wanted to play that one because that was a lot of absolute nothingness. Frank yeah. Reich was asked about one quarterback, and he said that. He said, okay, if you're evaluating quarterback X, what can you tell us about him? And that's what he gave you. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. There might be a couple things that you can draw from, but Wes, we go to you, which would, I mean, that one's hard because he gave you nothing. What, who are you going to go with? There? Richardson. You're going Anthony Richardson. Yeah. All right. Who are you going to go with, Fitty? I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Richardson as well. Okay. You guys ready for it? Uh-huh. It's Bryce Young again. It was nothing. I was going to guess that at first, but when he said you can get it done in a multitude of ways, I was thinking Richardson. 828 said Uncle Rico. He thought he was talking about that. Maybe you could draft him from Napoleon Dynamite. Very, very good there. Big Country said Anthony Richardson. And uh, Crew said also Richardson. So that one was all about Bryce Young. Those are the only sound bites we have. So maybe we can discuss a little bit about some of those takes from Dan Orlovsky and Frank Reich. I thought playmaker might be a buzzword for Bryce Young. That's why I put it there. Because everybody talks about his ability to play off script where there is no play that is dead when Bryce Young is playing QB. And so with his ability, just like we heard in the second piece of analysis, move out of the pocket, flip your hips, connect downfield. Mm -hmm. There was nobody better under pressure like that or outside of the pocket, I should say, according to Orlovsky, than was Bryce Young. And I think I value that a lot. One thing when you talk about evaluating QBs, transitioning to the next level, I do value a lot of what they're able to do in a dirty pocket. Like if you're able to scramble, if you're able to step up, if there's some pressure, how do you perform in that environment? Mm-hmm. Where CJ Stroud, numbers aren't that great. When you but the problem is we didn't have a lot of whole, we didn't have a lot of samples there because the offensive line was so good and the receivers got open because he's been playing with the best receivers as far as what school what one school has been able to give you the last two years. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of thing where I mean, LSU would take umbrage to that. Well, well, three years ago, right? That's when they had Jamar, and that's when they had Justin. But the last two, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr., who is Jamar Chase esque. Yes, LSU three years ago, Alabama, same thing. But you get the idea. I think that's why I like Bryce Young a little bit more. It's his. It's because of his ability to thrive in chaos. Yeah, and a lot of times that's why you see a lot of the top quarterbacks. They don't come from the top programs because uh, when you look at guys that go to the schools where they have to do more with less, then that replicates what they're going to see in the NFL. More times than not, the pocket's not going to be clean in the NFL. So if you play a school that's not named Alabama, not a, a you know, pick a, pick a top-notch school, Ohio State, Georgia, whatever you want to go to, to where the offensive lines dominate and you are playing with a lot of mess in your face and you do have to, uh, you know, really, really be a playmaker for your team, that always bodes well uh, for you when you get to the NFL. Just look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes playing at Texas Tech. Nobody's accusing Texas Tech of being a powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, So you look at what he's able to do in the pros, not used to playing with the best of the best talent. I think that's what 
helped him this season when he lost Tyreek Hill. It didn't bother him at all uh, when he looked at that. You look at Josh Allen, him playing at Wyoming, not playing with great offensive lines, not playing with uh, great talent, a, a Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, take your pick. You know, there are the guys that make it through that are top-tier talents. But a lot of guys, you know, in the NFL do thrive because they come from situations where they had to deal with so much adversity on a down-in, down-out basis. And, and it doesn't make me completely go against C.J. Stroud. I would just rather have Bryce Young. I think he'd be one. I do think he'd be more fun. Ultimately, more fun means more winning. Like, if, if C.J. Stroud is going to be accurate as hell out here, then fine. Make him the pick. But I do like my guy to be able to scramble more so. The question about Stroud is, will he experiment with that more in the NFL? He might have to experiment more with that. And we've seen some of that a part of his game. I don't view that as a weakness. I just don't view that he had to, right? Like C.J. Stroud at Ohio State didn't have to scramble because the dude was clean all the time. Yeah. And he was also thrown to wide receivers who were getting a lot of separation. And so it's, it's interesting to see how we would evaluate Mac Jones, where everything was working for him so well, too. At Alabama, you had the Heisman winning wide receiver in Devontae Smith. You had Jalen Waddle for a lot. Uh, you had Henry Ruggs, too. If I'm not mistaken, that wide receiver class was insane. But then we didn't know how to evaluate Mac Jones because, well, he didn't. I mean, he was playing with great talent all over the place well mm -hmm. as well. Those receivers, they were gone for Bryce Young. So you didn't have the first round picks at wide receiver anymore for Bryce. So you got to see him operate kind of with two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the wide receiver position. I think that's kind of interesting. Let's go to Sal Palantonio soundbite where he talks about both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and how they can both start right away. Bryce Young, in my opinion, is a day one starter in the National Football League. He comes into the National Football League, he starts day one. Same thing with C.J. Stroud. I think, you know, people say, well, this is not a quarterback draft. I totally disagree. I think you got two day one starters that can go in the one and two and start in the National Football League. Yeah, I don't know who is. Is there anybody really saying this is not? I mean, I guess you could have some people saying it's not a QB. I draft, mean, you like get people strong. saying that this is not as good of a quarterback class as it's made out to be. Or they're like, oh, there's no can't miss. Well, they might be comparing guy. it That's to next year, too. Yeah, they right? say there's no can't miss guy. Yeah, and I guess I could agree with that, but they're still pretty good. With Young, we have the question about his height, or weight, I should say, and you have the question about C.J. Stroud, just the, the big games he's shown up in, but the rest of the tape isn't nearly as good, but it holds a lot of weight when you perform that well against Georgia, and Dan Orlovsky really likes C.J. Stroud. A lot of people do like him as the number one pick. Completely agree, though, with Sal, what he was saying there. Both of those guys, starting them right away. Bryce yeah. Young, day one, baby, start. C.J. Stroud, same thing. You don't have any problem with that either. No, I don't have any problem. I like rookies to play immediately. Uh, I'm not for the sit them down and let them learn and all that type of stuff, especially when you're talking about uh, the pedigree of a top five pick. I, I don't want to see you sit on the bench. That's one of the reasons why I want to watch the game. That's one of the reasons that gives you incentive to watch bad football teams because you're going to get to see the rookies. That's the only reason why I watch some of the preseason games that I choose to watch for a quarter or two. When the season starts, I want to see the rookies. Yeah, I does that hold true for you with Richardson and Levis? I mean, especially more so Richardson because you think that's going to be the pick. So would you start him right away as well? Number one, day one? I mean, now with any of these guys, it depends on how they look in practice and 
who do I have besides them? I mean, if I have a good veteran and a rookie clearly looks like he's not ready, then no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to stagnate their growth. But if they look like they can play a little bit and they're picking things up fairly quick and they're closer in the ballpark of the veteran that I have, yes. So if Anthony Richardson came in and he's in the ballpark now, no question I'm giving him packages during the game. There's no question about that. He's going to get three, four series a game to get in there and play. Oh, full series, not even just plays. You're saying full series yeah, is going to manage. I'm going to put him in there. Well, that's kind of like starting two different QBs. Yeah, I'm going to put him in there a little bit just because of what he brings. He's going to present. The 49ers did that with Trey Lance for a little bit where yeah. they would put him in in certain packages. Yeah, but not full series though, right? Like it would just be certain plays and packages. Okay, I, Packages. I guess that's what well, I mean. I just yeah, didn't package. know if you're saying like, hey, lead this drive, right? right? Like that's kind of a series in my opinion. But yeah, no, I could see that for sure. As far as just like different. And my starter right? would have a short leash. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you draft the number one overall QB. <laughs> I guarantee that veteran is going to have a short leash. All right, real quickly. I want to give away the Chicago Bulls tickets. They're going to be in town on Friday. If you want to go catch a Charlotte Hornets Chicago Bulls game, we're going to give out two tickets so you can go to the Spectrum Center on Friday and catch the Charlotte Hornets before the season ends. There's not too many games left. We're really talking about a week and a half left in the regular season. All you have to do is be the third caller at 704-570-9610. Third caller, you win the tickets. 704 704- 570-9610. We'll be back after the break and talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Definitely sturdy here on Sports Radio 92.7 FM. When that song starts, Jim Jones says sturdy. I was about to say, how, how many people do you think understood that reference? They they, they were in for a whirlwind, <laughs> thinking we we're about to get some boogie down production. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a Jim Jones track with uh, Hitmaker, and it is fire. Um, but anyway, welcome back. This is the Wesson Walker Show where we talk hip-hop, we talk radio, we talk sports, we talk everything on here. Uh, hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line 704 704- Five seven zero ninety six ten. Hit up those socials, Weston Walker and WFNZ on Twitter and the WFNZ Instagram. Coming to you live from the Planet Kia Studios. All right. So, Brian Baldinger, add him to the list of pundits who have labeled the Panthers as the next it team in the NFL. Called the Carolina Panthers a Cinderella team for this upcoming season. Walker, I'm guessing that you know the story of Cinderella. Yeah, Cinderella and the Seven Dwarves. She yes. was away sleeping for quite some time. Um, yeah, I remember that entirely watching Disney movie. Well, the uh, slipper fit for the Panthers this season. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to call him a Cinderella because that kind of means, what, deep playoff run? And if deep playoff run, if that's the definition of Cinderella, I have a hard time buying into that. As much as I like this offseason, seven and a half wins is the over-under for this team. I think the over is what I would go with. I don't think they're an outright easy decision to win the NFC South. I think they could make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so if you're saying, okay, a surprise playoff team, then sure, I'll go with that Cinderella. But if you're talking about like competing in the conference championship game, even with the NFC being weak, and, and that's enticing, right? I, I still think it's a little strong to say they'd go on a deep playoff run, but I do think they could absolutely make the playoffs 
especially with how weak the NFC is and even their own division with the NFC South. Yeah, he said that when he looks at why he thinks the Panthers could be a playoff team, he said it starts to me they fix their offensive line. Whoever's the quarterback, whoever's the quarterback's going to play behind a quality offensive line, Taylor Moten, Iki Aquanu, Bozeman, I mean, it's a good group. So the offensive line was one of the main reasons why uh, he said that the Panthers would do it. Uh, as far as if the slipper will fit this season, I'm going to say no. And it's not because, I mean, we know how I feel about the Panthers. It's just the fact that I see this division right now as a one-team playoff division, and I think that that team will be the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we talked about mm-hmm. how I saw this morning on the Carton Show that he picked uh, the Saints as the top five team in the NFL. And um, what's my book? Greg Jennings said that he didn't think that the Saints were a top five team in the league, but he did dub them as uh, the division winners of the NFC South. So uh, that's what I think there. But the main thing about this is everybody, like we said, Orlowski, Baldinger, plenty of national pundits are saying their Panthers are going to be one of the it teams. I'm sure they're going to be a trendy playoff pick this year for the team that's going to go from nothing to something. But a team with as many young players, young, inexperienced players. When we talk about uh, Big Derek Brown, we talk about Brian Burns. We're going to talk about the rookie quarterback that's going to come in and be leading this franchise more than likely. You talk about Jeremy Chan and J.C. Horn and all those young guys. Is a team with this kind of youth ready for the expectations heading their way? It's one thing to go out there every Sunday and nobody expects anything from you and you come out there and show and prove, but is this team ready for expectations that, hey, we think you guys are going to be the next hot team in the league. Yeah, real quickly, a lot of people are trying to uh, tell me that I was wrong about Cinderella. It was a joke. I promise. I know the difference between <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs yeah. and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. I got you. I promise. Evil Stepsisters. I promise everybody texting me and laughing at me because I didn't know the Cinderella story. I just don't think the Panthers, the slipper will fit them as far as making a deep playoff run. Is this team ready for the expectations? If they are exactly what I just said, that they're going to make a deep playoff run, then I don't think they're going to just wither away. I can't even talk. I don't think they're just going to, you know, lay down mm-hmm. and be scared of the expectations coming their way. But I, I, I think that this is going to be a Panther team that has a natural progression towards maybe making that deep playoff run the next season. When you have your offensive line already taken care of, you know, you start to maybe see the 39th overall selection, whether that's a receiver, he progresses to be that guy that you can really rely on. Maybe they're able to get their supporting cast a little better. Remember DJ Chark's on a one-year deal, so that money comes off the books. Maybe you can try to figure out, okay, who else can be this stud-wide receiver alongside an Adam Thielen? And then, most importantly, you just have one year's experience with your rookie QB, right? Like, we've seen QBs taking massive step up in their second season in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm gearing up here towards for, Wes. I, I want I want a good year where we're all excited and that you get above 500 or you get close to it, right? Nine and eight, eight and nine, whatever. Finish, finish with eight wins or above. I think I'd be happy with that. And then you're really gearing up to make a run at this thing the following season. And I think as far as all the young players that are on this roster right now, I think they absolutely can progress into that sort of team where maybe you are talking about an NFC champion in not 2023, but in 2024. Yeah, and I think that they did play some games at the end of the season that were meaningful. So they got their first taste 
of games with playoff implications. And so I think that could bode well for them this year. With that said, whoever the quarterback is, I think when we talk about the makeup of some of these guys, because most players that come in as the number one pick, nobody's expecting them to go to the playoffs uh, that season. They come in with low expectations. Uh, they undersell, over-deliver. That's what you would hope for most teams that have the number one pick. Like if we're looking at the Houston Texans, nobody's expecting their quarterback to come in and take them to the playoffs. But the Panthers are coming in, their quarterback's coming into a great coaching staff, a team that almost won the division last year, uh, a team that, yeah, they may have had some downgrades as far as losing some skilled talent, but then they've up, they've also brought in some guys. So with that said, when we talk about a guy who's, the most used to these types of scenarios, you look at Bryce Young coming out of high school, leading his team to multiple state championships, coming to Alabama, winning a national championship, winning the Heisman, coming into the next season with the expectations of uh, possibly winning it again, winning another Heisman trophy. We heard about the dinner he had where they said he commanded the room uh, amongst uh, Panthers personnel where most people would be nervous. Is he the guy that would be the best quarterback to fit with this team, a team that's going to have expectations this season? I, I've talked about it a bunch. I don't think that he fits better than any of the other QBs. I, I think the coaching staff they have in place is ready for all scenarios. I think Frank Reich has demonstrated an ability to coach his offense around what the QB's strengths are. Mm-hmm. That you're not going to, okay, well, I'm going to make Bryce Young fit this offense because this is what I want to run. I think Frank Reich is going to adapt his offense to what fits Bryce Young. Same thing for C.J. Stroud and same thing for Anthony Richardson. Honestly, Wes, when you talk about Richardson being the number one overall pick, I think that's your strongest point. It's the fact that you might have a coaching staff that is better equipped to handle someone like Richardson who Mm -hmm. is so raw and for him to be able to go along smoothly compared to other teams. I heard Lewis Riddick talking about this on ESPN. It was a few days ago. If you're Bryce Young, if you're C.J. Stroud, I imagine you can say this about the other two QBs as well. Mm -hmm. If you're one of them, you're hoping the Panthers take you number one. Mm -hmm. And it's not because of the prowess that comes with it. It's because Carolina is very well set up for you. It is a great environment that you have set up right now because David Tepper's willingness to spend on coaches, because of their willingness to give up everything they did to move up to that number one spot. And that goes to what you were just talking about before you transitioned. Usually those number one overall teams are there because they were awful. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily the case with Carolina last year. Like They weren't awful, awful. They were clearly a quarterback away from being 500, not winning the Super Bowl. But we know when Steve Wilkes took over, a competent coach, they performed a lot better. And they also had better quarterback play when they moved to P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold. So now the offseason, they've clearly improved coaching staff. Mm -hmm. They've clearly improved with their personnel. You're going to get a talented QB. I, I don't necessarily think that there's one QB that's a better fit than another. I think every one of them. I'm just would saying be a great. fit for expectations. But but right. I'm but CJ Stroud. If if the expectation is to win now, mm-hmm. I think Stroud and Bryce Young both equal fit that. If the expectation is to really gear up for next year, then that's where you're trying to talk about maybe Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, where mm-hmm. it might even take another season to build. So, no, I don't think one guy wins out as far as the fit in a couple of those scenarios. Uh, I just think if you want to go off of uh, mental makeup and a guy that I feel like would be most ready to come in and, and play with a team with expectations, I think it's Bryce Young. 
Uh, I think no question about it. Just because of his pedigree. And I know all these guys, and I'm not sure about the high school backgrounds of all of these guys, but like I said, I just know that Bryce Young has been commanding teams with championship expectations for quite a while. You don't get any more pressure than being the quarterback of Alabama. I know being the quarterback at Ohio State comes with expectations as well. I'm a, I'm aware of that. But just Bryce Young, he has a, a presidential feel about him, the CEO feel that you want for a quarterback. That's what I think. Uh, but doesn't that just mean he's better? Like, that's that's what I'm trying to distinguish. If, you know. He's the best prospect, like right. I said, as far as right now, a guy you want to come in and play right now, and I think he's going to be a stud. Right. I, I just, I guess I, I'm i talking about him just being better than, not necessarily Bryce Young being a better fit than Stroud. Because if you're, you, could, you could argue better fit for either one of these guys. C.J. Stroud has the height cut. I mean, all yeah. the ESPN but we, analysts. But we know they always say the game is 90% mental. Yeah. No, and I, and I think C.J. Stroud has that capability. I think he does, too. But I'll just say, if I had to pick a guy that I feel is the most. All, all of that to I'd say, all of that to say, I don't know if one quarterback fits better. It's all about who the Panthers feel like they can win with the most with their skill set and who's just overall the better QB. And I, I don't know if, if the system dictates you draft C.J. Stroud more so than Bryce Young all right, or vice versa. An, another guy that's expected to break out this year, Jeremy Chen. They talked about uh, in a Pro Football Talk article how he is super excited about his role in the new Panthers defense. Let's hear that soundbite from Chen. Uh, talking about his excitement. This system might be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage again, kind of how it was, you know, in previous years. You like that? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Uh, always just, I'll be, I'll be able to be around the ball more. So uh, that's really exciting. Um, you know, talking to Avero and uh, Coach Cooley, we we have plans, and yeah, I'm excited for kind of what they have me doing a little bit. Yeah, so they're saying he's going to go back to that hybrid linebacker role that a lot of Panther fans uh, enjoyed when they thought they had the second coming of uh, Ed Reed and Troy Palomalu and, you know, pick a pick a game-wrecking wow. safety that you could uh, think of. You know, it's 292 career tackles, third most by active players selected in the 2020 draft. And so uh, this guy, you know, he's the fifth NFL player, and he was the first rookie that had 100 tackles, two defensive touchdowns, a sack, an interception, forced fumble, fumble recovery, and one tackle for loss uh, in a season. So uh, with that said, is he easily the biggest breakout candidate for the defense in 2023? Well, I, I think because of the talent there, and we did see it, his rookie season, mm-hmm. and then we didn't, the second and the third. And I know you try to pin that on Panthers fans. You do that a lot. <laughs> Nobody thought he was Troy Palomalu. Nobody thought that he was Ed Reed. And especially so, more fans were frustrated that we didn't get rookie year Jeremy Chin in the last two years. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knew what it was, that he fell off a little bit. But there's always been that talent. He's always been the athletic freak. And it was when his rookie season, he was playing a little closer to the line of scrimmage. You can hear it there with Jeremy. He is excited. That's real, man. Like, that's genuine feelings towards his excitement being in a different system. And remember, Wes, last year, in Phil Snow's system, I don't know how real the reports were, but there were some rumblings, if you will, that Jeremy Chin wasn't exactly thrilled with his role in a Phil Snow system, even though I think Phil Snow did a pretty good job as a defensive coordinator. I think he did a lot of good things as far as, you know, some of the different multiple packages that he would bring. But Jeremy mostly was residing in the secondary. So I think this is very real for Jeremy Chin. And if he's more excited, I I can't imagine that hurts your ability, right? If you're excited to play, then 
you buy in a little bit more. Ajero Avero, celebrated offensive coordinator for a reason. Yeah, I, I think he is the guy that you're looking to first and foremost to really break out. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you 100% uh, in that assumption as well, based off what he did as a rookie and, like I said, allowing him with his skill set. You could tell just by that comment and him wanting to go back to that road that he likes to contact. He likes to mix it up uh, in the box and hit guys. And so uh, that's going to be something that's going to excite him and that's also going to allow the Panthers to uh, be able to be multiple in their defense and give offenses different looks to try to confuse because that's the biggest thing that that's going to do with him being able to play around like that. It, it's going to uh, help in the confusion of offense. Who else would – compete with that breakout yeah just like when you try to think about it barring any draft picks that they may have i mean frankie louvo had a breakout season this past year so he's eliminated i mean do you want to talk about um guys who didn't reach their full potential yeah it's jeremy chin right because Derek brown big time year this past season compared to years past Brian Burns, I mean, if you want to talk about breakout, like getting close to 20 sacks, then maybe. But the, the margin for error there is pretty slim when you're talking about that kind of number of sacks. Dante Jackson would be the only other guy that I could think of. Right. And I don't. Right. It. And, and it's not like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't see anything from a Vero scheme that makes you say, okay, Dante is the one to break out. With, with Jeremy quite literally playing a different role now, yeah. I think that's the one. So, yeah, Chin. You should be excited about that. The guy's got ability. There's no doubt. I always bring up the fact that he was second in voting for Defensive Rookie of the Year behind Chase Young. There's real talent there, and if you put him in a comfortable position, then I think he's going to show and display that. Man, Chase Young, I'm ready for him to get back. I know, 100%. He hasn't played him forever. But anyway, a guy that's always going to break out, that's Fitty. But his second pretty flash of the day. <laughs> All right, guys. I actually want to go back to the NFL meetings and uh, with stuff around the competition committee. The Giants are going to change out their turf after a lot of criticism about their playing surface. Were you guys surprised given all the negative feedback we've seen here in Carolina on turf fields then the, the field we saw in the Super Bowl was bad? That there hasn't been more of a push from the league, the owners, whatever, to go to playing on all natural grass services to to ensure player safety moving forward? I mean, guys tore ACLs, tore Achilles, and guys complained about different teams' uh, grass fields when teams had that. So, I mean, in my opinion, now the Super Bowl was the biggest uh, gaffe to me as far as having guys slipping and sliding on that field. They dropped the ball there, but, I mean, I've never disliked field turf, so, I mean, it is what it is. Well, I mean, why are we talking so much about the playing surface for these championship games recently? I mean, here we are doing it with the Super Bowl. We can remember the North Carolina-Kansas championship game where you see the wood plank move and Armando Baycott's ankle is done. Like, why are we watching playing surfaces, whether it be in basketball or the NFL, where the playing surface isn't, isn't good for the biggest game? Like, it's crazy. You would think it's one of the things that... I don't know if it's easier to take care of, but you are damn sure that it is taken care of, and mm-hmm. it just hasn't happened on some of these championship games. And so they were doing too to much. Me. Just leave the field how it was. The Cardinals play on it, so just leave it how it is. Hopefully everything gets it fixed. Yeah. So when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, Fire Fizzle, top five final four moments of my lifetime. Get ready. Get your snacks, whatever it is you need, because it's about to get hot in here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
This is the kind of music that gets you ready for fire or fizzle right here. The staple. PT Cruiser, Pastor Troy. The staple that is. Oh, Pastor Troy, man. I came out in middle school to, hey, hey, let's go. You say you want war, let's go, let's go. What song was that? It's war. I want war. Pastor Troy, come on. You know that one plus vice versa. You know, you know vice versa. Yeah. That I one is. Pastor Troy, uh, aficionado. We once, my mother once told him. How you not know I want war? Yeah, I want war. I don't know if it went that way. But. No, it did. You're trying to clown me. No, it did. I'll play it. I'll my mom play. once told him that he curses too much, asking why he has to use the language he has to use in his mm, well, music. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty that's, funny. And then he and I had a conversation about that and had a laugh. <laughs> oh, you got to talk to Pastor. Yeah, Troy. that was, oh man, that was that was a big deal. When my mom used to work at the radio station, she got me uh, backstage at Summerfest when he performed. Mm-hmm. Turned it out. Um, it might be some underground hip hop. You might not know about that. I'm more yeah. of a aficionado than you are, so I can understand. I'll no, try I'm to keep you up with the time. So uh, during the break, I'll play you my rap song and I'll play you that Pastor Troy okay. song. Right. But right now, we need to play some Lil Wayne Let's get and it. get everybody hype. For fire or fizzle. Mm. The category today is top five final four moments of Wes Bryant's lifetime. So we're going back all the way to the 60s with Wes being the OG here. Maybe not that long, <laughs> but certainly a longer time than I've been alive. Let's go to number one, Wes. The moment that did not happen all that long ago. Wisconsin beating undefeated Kentucky and then eventually playing Duke in the championship game. Fire fist. I want you guys to understand this is of my lifetime, so don't hit me up talking about bird and magic or any of that type of stuff, all right? Listen, Kentucky, I love to see history. I like the Wildcats because they have NBA talent that I know I'm going to see doing it up at the next level. The Wildcats were 38-0 entering the national semifinal against the Badgers, but they had 35 victories of their own and a number one seed of their own. Big Kaminsky, Big Frank, you remember that guy. 20 yeah, points, sure 11 boards. They used an 8-0 run to take control of the game and won at 71-64, sending Carl Anthony Towns and the crew home, ending Kentucky's undefeated season before they got to play for a national title. And this, folks, is straight. Fizzle, I was hot. I wanted to you see take this Kentucky outfit home. Are you burning? Yes. Get Undefeated. I'm with you, man. And yeah. I got chastised by Fitty because I'm supposed to be a Carolina fan, even though <laughs> but you I've, been, see history. I've been called a Duke fan and Carolina fan. Now I think I'm solidly in the Carolina camp from what people at least perceive me to be. Maybe this will change it. I wanted to see Kentucky run it, too. I also thought they were the best chance to beat Duke that yeah. year. Yeah. And I wanted to see Carl Anthony. I wanted to see an undefeated team. Yeah. 76 is the last time anybody did it. Yeah. I wanted to see it, too. And I don't know if it's going to happen. Why am I, I'm hype about that fizzle. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad about that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Wes Bryant. Let's move on to the next one. I'm I'm going to get my excited or excitement right back on out of here because yeah. of what I imagine you're going to say about this one. We'll see, though. Carolina retiring Coach K in the Final Four last year. It's going to be interesting. Fire fizzle, Wes. Coach K, after the game, said, I'm sure at some time I'll deal with this in my own way. Okay? His <laughs> remarkable career came to a close. Caleb Love made a key three-pointer, three late free throws to lift Carolina over the Duke Blue Devils. This was the 258th and maybe the biggest game ever between these two teams whose arenas are separated by 11 miles on Tobacco Road. You already know what the rivalry means. The Cameron Crazies, the Dean Dome, and then for the fact of them playing in the Final Four. I work for the ACC Digital Network. It ain't never been a bigger game than this one right here. So Carolina retiring Coach K is straight 
fire because I thought it was funny that they retired Coach K like that, and I thought Duke was going to come back and get the win. We are off to a very strong start. I am in full belief that we or I'm full in agreement of both of these being fizzle and then fire. Love it. It's fantastic. Let's move on to the next one. UNC is in here three times, by the way. Here's the second appearance. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what this one's going to be. Chris Weber, all-time blunder, calling timeout in 93 against North Carolina. I know where it's going, but I'll still give you the options. Wes, is it fire or fizzle? Listen, we're talking about my all-time favorite college basketball player right here, Chris Weber. He had 23 points, 11 rebounds. I was obsessed with Chris Weber. But then he got double teamed down the court. You know what happened. They thought it was a travel when he first started dribbling. It was a travel. Runs down into the corner. Called timeout. Down 73-71. And they didn't have one. It gave the Tar Heels a technical foul, the national title, and one of the worst. My number one worst moment in college basketball history in my lifetime. My beloved Fab Five, the shorts, the ball heads, the hip-hop swag. All that was down the drain because Weber left the next year and went to the NBA. And for that reason, the Fab Five losing off of Chris Weber calling a timeout that they didn't have is straight. Fizzle, what the hell else did you, you think it was going to be? Home. Are you burning? Yeah, I'm, it was going to be Fizzle. You know what? As a Carolina fan, though, <laughs> I wish they would have gotten the championship against Duke way more so. I have zero apologies for Carolina winning this. Yeah. At the same time, really Fizzle way to go out for an oh, awesome man. team. I really for an awesome team. I did, too. Plus, Jalen Rose is like my favorite, one of my favorite basketball players ever as well. Yeah. Next one up. Virginia's controversial win over Auburn in the Final Four. Yes. That run was absolutely yes. bonkers every step of the way. This one no different. You tell me, Wes. Is it fire or fizzle? This was a team on the warpath after they lost to UMBC as a one seed, the first one in history. As I said, folks, I hold it down for the ACC Digital Network that you can watch on all platforms, and I was sitting on top of a desk watching this entire game. Auburn came back from 10 down. Kyle Guy sank an off-balance three with 7.6 seconds to go. Down by two now. Guy missed a late three-pointer that looked to end the game. But then he got a call. The ref blew that whistle. Don't the refs always find a way to make their way into the game? Auburn Samir Doty on the shot. .6 seconds left. Kyle Guy, one of my favorite ACC players in recent memory, Calmly sank three free throws to send the Cavaliers to the net. And for Virginia, coming back, showing the character to lift themselves up off the floor after they lost to the 16th seed, the first one in history. I was in the locker room, and I asked them the first question of anybody in that locker room. I saw the pain on their faces. (laughs) Yeah, folks, I got some history. And UVA coming back was straight fire they show great basketball character shouts to tony bennett my man okay that was that was fantastic i like that taking us down memory lane too <laughs> yes yeah, so i asked him the first question after that game real quickly that is the number one way to make my girlfriend mad who went to virginia and oh, graduated when well, when yeah. i when i say that the virginia zebras won that year yeah she's fighting oh, mad. she's fighting man. mad that whole right. that whole season we got one more <laughs> Carolina fans, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to warn you, you're not going to like it, okay? Because we all know what's coming as soon as I say it. I had to cross out curse words that Wes wrote on the rundown, so I would not say them on the air, but I will instead use bleeps. Chris Jenkins burying the bleeping bleep Tar Heels with his game winner. Yes. 
Wes, just tell me it's fire already. Just Listen, go ahead. The Heels battled back from a 10-point deficit. Less than this five minutes remaining. Freaking Villanova, painful. 74-74. to 4.7 seconds left. Wildcat guard. This was after Marcus Page hit a crazy shot that I thought was going to send the Tar Heels to the championship. But Wildcat guard. Ryan, oh man, his name is tough. Arcidia Kono. I'm sorry, brother. Archie Diakono. Archer Diakono took the ball down the court, tossed it to Chris Jenkins, three-pointer from very, very, very deep as time expired to win Villanova the title. I was getting upset because, again, at the ACCD, and we're watching this game. Folks, if Carolina wins this game, it's a lot of work to be done. I'm going to be in there till 3 o'clock in the morning. I wish you were. But once this man hit this shot, it was perhaps the most exciting finish in national championship game history. Shortened my work night by almost two hours. And for that reason, Villanova beating Carolina off a last-minute buzzer beater straight. Fire! One of the greatest moments of all time. Wins are they building Chris Jenkins a statue? The man is a god. Yeah, North, now cut that music off. North Carolina won the championship next year, though. And that's exactly <laughs> what they needed to do after all of that. And that's straight fire Praise as that well. man. Yeah, I will. I will praise Roy Williams for winning the championship. <laughs> Talk about basketball character. Roy Williams showed it the following year as I well. I love Coach Roy, man. Tony Bennett, not the only one out here showing it off. It's Wesson <laughs> Walker. That's Fire Fizzle. It's a staple. We love you for loving it as well here on Wesson Walker. We got a whole hour left to go. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.